0: Well, folks, it's Jerry Adams Arish, August Morris Grah, Go Govil Shivsha, Gohuntak Arfad, Tame Gohan So, just a little tribute to a man called Terry O'Sullivan. Terry O, he's the General President of the Labourers International Union of North America. Lyuna, and he's just retired after a quarter of a century as leader of one of the biggest trade unions in the USA. And I've known him for many years. He's a proud Irish-American born in San Francisco with close ties to Kerry, where his paternal grandfather was from, and he still has family there. Launa's slogan is Feel the Power. Terry's mantra is Organise or Die. Anyone who's heard him deliver one of his rousing speeches knows he means every word of that. He brings the same passion and conviction to his support for Irish unity, for an end to the partition of Ireland and a new future for all the people of Ireland, as he does to the needs of the working people of United States of America and particularly the labourers. He's a committed United Irelander. Terry's spoken at several Sinn Féin auditions over the years. He's also addressed Irish unity conferences across the USA. For example, in 2013, he was in Dublin to mark the centenary of the Dublin lockout. In 2016, he headed a big union delegation that came to Ireland for the 100th anniversary of the Easter Rising. Terry attended events in Dublin. And here in Belfast, including the unveiling of the statue to James Connolly, which now stands outside Arras e Canila on the Falls Road. And Terry and Leona continue to play a leadership role in making the vision of Arras e Canila a reality. He was one of the speakers at the formal opening in April 2019, along with an on Michael D. O'Higgins. Last year, Arras e Canila dedicated its conference space on the top floor of the building to Terry, renaming it the Terry O'Sullivan Ly Una Conference and Event Space. As well as being a trade union leader, Terry is also a dear friend and a comrade. Over the years, I had the pleasure of meeting his father, Terry, and his mother, Leona. They too were strong Irish-Americans, were enormously proud of their sons many achievements, and so also was the rest of his family and his wife, Yvette. Most recently, Terry travelled to Dublin to attend the funeral of Rita O'Hare, who had come to know her many years. He was one of those who acted as guard of honour. Terry O'Sullivan has dedicated his life to advancing the cause of labour and improving the conditions of working people in the USA and around the world. He totally understands and embraces Connolly's, James Connolly's analysis, that the cause of Ireland is the cause of labor and the cause of labor is the cause of Ireland. Terry O'Sullivan may live thousands of miles away, but he lives that cause every day and we're forever grateful for him, for his contribution, and for all of those who come from the tradition that he represents. He may be stepping down from the leadership in Leona, but I know he will continue to advocate for Irish unity and in defence of the Good Friday Agreement. So thank you, Terry. Good luck to you and Yvette and the rest of your clan in the time ahead. Mwilabweihis Kara. And now in the uh, the last of the guest spots in uh, the Good Friday Agreement 25 years on, we have Michelle Gildernew. And I'm going to return to this 25 year theme in the time ahead, particularly around the Queen's University uh, events and other uh, elements of remembrance of the 25 years effort and the 25 years ago effort to actually broker the agreement and then subsequently and what we need to do in the future. But that's for another another uh, day. For now, let us introduce a uh, Tyrone woman, Michelle Gildernew, an MP and uh, a long-standing Republican activist from a family of activists, Michelle Gildernew. Goor Gerry.
1: Current- I'm delighted to be asked to contribute to your podcast. My memories of the Good Friday Agreement I suppose are interspersed with countless trips across the Irish Sea. At the time I was the Sinn Féin representative in London and on the day the agreement was reached I was actually in London where Jimmy and I were staying with Mary Mason who is a brilliant London-based activist. In the years preceding that I had been asked by the party to work in the International Department based in Conway Mill and headed up by Barbara de Bruyn. Um, I learned an awful lot there and really enjoyed it, worked with some brilliant people But when the Sinn Féin rep in London decided he was ready to come home, I was asked to consider replacing him. So after talking it over with my family and Jimmy, I decided to relocate, knowing that it was a lot of responsibility, but also a great opportunity. And as a result, I'd been over in London a few times before the first visit to Downing Street and was included in that delegation, along with Gerry, Martin, Richard, Lucy Lady, Siobhan and Martin Ferris, which was in December 1997. Jerry posted that photo on Instagram lately and it sparked all sorts of conversations with a new generation of Republicans asking, how come you were asked to go? Why were you in that delegation? Quickly followed by, and what age were you? One of my best memories of that day was being in a taxi en route to the airport the day before and heard on the news that Liam Averill had escaped out of cash. The bus nearly went off the road with the cheer from everyone inside yet parts of the media portrayed it as an embarrassment to the delegation. We had been joined by the then political editor of the Irish News who can testify that there was no embarrassment, only delight. Looking back now, it was a huge honour to be included. Um, I remember in his opening remarks, Tony Blair said there wouldn't be a United Ireland in the lifetime of the youngest person in the room, and that was me. And Gerry's response in his opening contributions was, if somebody had told us 10 years ago, that we'd be in 10 Downing Street sitting with the British Prime Minister, leader of the Labour Party with your majority, we'd have said not in our lifetime too, to which Tony Blair replied, touche, you know there's there's all sorts of possibilities if the will is there. But we got down then to what turned out to be a very good meeting and um, you know during those times it was extremely busy, we felt like we were always rushing to catch planes or to make deadlines And the frenetic pace didn't stop after the 10th of April 1998. When others may have felt their work was done, the Sinn Féin leadership brought the ANC over. We organised hundreds of meetings, including in the jails, in order to bring people with us. We had a special Ardesh for the party to take the final decision on the agreement. And thinking back, you know, the risks taken by Gerry and Martin are in stark contrast to the leadership of other parties today. We owe, we owe our leadership. We owe Derry Adams and Martin McGuinness a debt of gratitude for the personal and political risks that they took for unity and peace. Garmaiagav.
0: Me le buis uh, Michelle, Michelle Gahan, Moy. Corona boo. Now, uh, I, I, I was at the Belfast Easter commemoration. Two weeks ago and I, I bumped into my man, his two daughters uh, had, had him in a wheelchair and they were pushing him about the, uh, the cemetery and over he came to, to meet with me just beside the Republican plot. And this is a man by the name of John Montgomery. And I haven't seen John in many years and it was a delight to meet with him again. He's originally from St. James's, in West Belfast, but domiciled for a long time in Dublin. And 30 years ago, John was the chairperson of the Ballyfermot Community Association. And those were different times. Political censorship and demonization of Republicans was entrenched in government policy North and South. Collusion between British state agencies and their unionist paramilitary surrogates was widespread. The Irish and British governments were locked into a strategy aimed at defeating the IRA and smashing Sinn Féin, and subduing republicanism. There was no thought of peace with justice or of conflict resolution, no thought of inclusive talks or of the centrality of dialogue to resolve differences. These were dismissed. The establishment was against that type of approach. And the Irish political system and sections of the media – not them all – were in the forefront of this complaint. Opposition to Sinn Féin had reached such a fever pitch in the South that we were refused the use of our usual venue, the Mansion House in Dublin, to hold our annual Ardash. And other public buildings were denied to us as Fianna Fáil, the Labour Party, Fine Gael, abused their power to bar us. And the special branch was also active leaning on hotel owners to put them off hiring venues to Sinn Féin. In 1992, we had no place to hold our Ardash. But, cometh the R, come cometh the person. The Ballyfermot Community Association in the working class area of Ballyfermot, a sprawling Dublin district, not unlike its northern urban cousins in Derry or Belfast, offered us the use of their community centre. The Irish establishment was outraged. The usual suspects in the media were outraged. The government threatened to deny funding to the community centre, but a defiant John Montgomery rejected this, pointing out that the government hadn't provided any funding in the previous 20 years. John, as I've said, was chairperson of the Community Association. Turning a community centre, a quite dilapidated, as, as we've just heard, underfunded utility, turning that into a venue for the RDS required a lot of hard work and imagination. And loosely the Brannock, who was then the Rd Rooney, the general secretary of the party, led our head office team to get the logistical and other political backup in place, while a voluntary group of painters, carpenters and other construction workers moved in. And our old friend from Longcase, our old friend from the Short Strand, the mural painter, the famous Donny de Venny, stepped forward also and transformed the community building. The theme of our 1992 Ardesh was Towards a Lasting Peace in Ireland. And that title was taken from the document of the same name that we launched at the Fermat Community Centre. At that time, when the idea of a peace process was unimaginable in the middle of the conflict, towards a lasting peace in Ireland, went against the grain and said, let's get peace. An end to conflict is not of itself peace, but the Irish experienced to date Peace has been represented as a pause, as a postponement of conflict for a decade or a generation. But of course, to end the conflict must be an objective. But to any, to have any lasting value, it must be in the context of a peace process which eradicates the cause of the conflict. So here was an argument to look at the causes of conflict and to look at how that issue of peace can be tackled, and how it can be achieved. In spite of the Irish government's hostility towards Sinn Féin, the years that followed shows that the Ballyferment Community Association was right in opening its centre up to Sinn Féin, and Sinn Féin was right about the need for a peace process. And at that, that Ardash, which would not have happened except for John Montgomery, and his friends in the association, we would not have had the RDS discussion and we would not have, at that time, adopted the Towards a Lasting Peace document as part of our policy. So we celebrate all of those who were part of the Good Friday Agreement and that has to include our friends in the Ballyfermit Community Association and in particularly John Montgomery who took a stand, who stood up and then stayed up. And it was those efforts along with the, all of the others which created the opportunity for the Good Friday Agreement. So thank you John Montgomery for your vision, for your steadfastness. Thank you for getting up and standing up. Okay Cara, Chief Image. And we we'll go out on that uh, Tune, with Bob Marley, dedicated to John Montgomery and the people of Valley Fermit, Get up, stand up. Kipimai shevsha and Sharkton, Shaw Hogan Guniuri and Ta, live, Togigi Wor Bog, Slan, August. banakti Debsha Guliar.
2: you're right He's <laughs>